actually back in the fourth and final book, the Chesapeake Bay Trilogy, or Saga, I mean, Chesapeake Blue is the name of it. Ryan or Robert. Chapter 1. There's no prologue on this one. Just go straight into the book. Chapter 1. He was coming home. Maryland's eastern shore was a world of marshes and mud flaps of wide fields with row crops straight as soldiers. It was flat land rivers with sharp shoulders and secret tidal creeks where the heron fed. There's blue crab in the bay, and the watermen who harvest them, no matter where you lived, in the first miserable decade of his life, or in the past few years, as he approached the end of his third decade, only the shore had ever meant home. There were countless aspects, countless memories of that home, and everyone was bright and brilliant in his mind, as the sun that sparkled off the water of the Chesapeake. As he drove across the bridge, his artist eye wanted to capture that moment. The rich blue water and the boats that skimmed its surface, the quick white waves and the swoop of greedy gulls. The way the land skimmed its edge and spilled back with its browns and greens, all the thickening leaves of the gum and oak trees with those flashes of color they were flowers basking in the warmth of spring. He wanted to remember remember this moment just as he remembered the first time he crossed the bay to the eastern shore where surely frightened boy beside a man who promised him a light sat in the passenger seat of the car with the man he hardly knew at the wheel he had the clothes on his back and a few meager possessions in a paper sack his stomach had been tight with nerves but he fixed what he thought was a bored look on his face and had stared out the window it was with the old guy he was with her that was a good deal I said he could get. Besides, the old guy was pretty cool. He didn't stink or booze or mince some of the assholes Gloria brought up to dump there. To the dump they were living in used to cover it up. And the couple times they'd been together, the old guy Ray had bought him a burger or a pizza. And he talked to him. Adults and his parents didn't talk to kids. It's in around them or over them or not to them. Ray did listen to him when he asked straight out if he was a kid wanted to live with him, he hadn't felt that strangling fear or heart hot panic. He felt like maybe, because maybe he was catching a break away from her. That was the best part. The longer they drove, the farther away from her. If things got sticky, he could run. The guy was really old. Big. He was sure as shit big, but old. All that white hair and that wide, wicked, wrinkled face took quick, sidelong glances at it and began to draw the face in his mind. His eyes were really blue, and that was kind of weird because so were his own. He had a big voice, too, but when he talked, it wasn't like yelling. It was kind of calm, even a little tired, maybe. He looked tired now. Almost home, Ray said as they approached me. Hungry? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. My experience, boys are always hungry. Ray's three bottomless pits. There was cheering his big voice, but it was forced. The child might have been barely ten, but he knew the tone of falsehood. Fire, fair enough away now, he thought. He had to run, so he put the cards on the table and see what the fuck was that. What? How come you're talking to me, taking me to your place? Because you need a place. 
get real. People don't do shit like that. Some do. So and I, my wife, we did shit like that. You tell her, you're bringing me around. Pretty smile, but there was a sadness in, in my way. She died some time back. He liked her, and she'd have taken one look at you, rolled up her sleeves. Didn't know what to say about that. What am I supposed to do when we get where we're going? Live? Right home. Be a boy. Go to school. Get in trouble. I'll teach you to sail. On a boat. <laughs> now Ray left. A big booming sound that filled the car. And for reasons the boy couldn't understand. United untied the nursing boat. Yeah, on a boat. Got a brainless puppy. I always get the brainless ones. I'm trying to house break. You can help me with that. You're going to have chores. We'll figure that out. We'll lay down the rules and you'll follow them. Don't think because I'm old. Man, I'm a pushover. He gave her money. Bring Lance away from the road briefly and looked into the eyes and said, That's right. That's what she understands for what I can see. She never understood you, did she, boy? Something was gathering inside of the storm. He didn't recognize us. You get pissed off at me or tired of having me around. But you change your mind, you'll send me back. I won't go back. They were over the bridge now, and Ray pulled the car to the shoulder of the road, shifted his bulk and the seat so they were face to face. I get pissed off at you, and at my age, I'm about to get tired from time to time, but I'm making you a promise here and now. I'm giving you my word. I won't send you back. If she, it won't, I won't let her take you back. Ray said, anticipating him. No matter what I have to do, you're mine now. You're my family now. And you'll stay with me as long as that's what you want. But Quinn makes a promise. He had it and held out a hand. It gave it. Seth looked at the offered hand and his own ring. Damn. I don't like being touched. Okay, not, okay. But you still got my word on it. He pulled back onto the road again. Gave the boy one last night. Almost told. He said again. With a minute, within months, Ray Quinn had died, but he kept his word. He kept in. Through the three men he made his sons, those men had given the scrawny, suspicious, and scary young boy a life. They had given him a home and made him a man. Cameron, the edgy, quick-tempered gypsy, Ethan, the patient, steady waterman, Philip, the, the elegant, sharp-minded executive, they had stood for him, fought for him. They had saved him, his brothers. The glided light of the late afternoon sun shone. Chewed the marshes, grass, the mud flaps, the fat, flat fields of row crops. The windows down, he caught the scent of water as he bypassed the little town of St. Christopher's. He considered swinging into town, heading first to the old brick boat yard. Boats by Quinn still custom-made wooden boats in 18 years since the enterprise had started. On a dream, on a goal, on a sweat, that earned its reputation for quality and craftsmanship. They were probably there even now, Cam cursing as he finished up some fancy work at a cabin, using quietly lapping boards, Hope up in the office, conjuring up some snazzy ad campaign. Can you go by Crawford's, pick up a six-pack? Maybe they have a cold one. Get down, Grace! Well, more likely, Cam would toss him a hammer and tell him to get his ass back to work. He enjoyed that, but it wasn't what was drawing him now. It wasn't what was pulling him down the narrow country road where the marsh still crept out of the shadows and the trees with their gnawed trunks spread leaves, leaves blossom in May. Of all the places he's seen, the great dunes and spirals of Florence, the 
unexplored beauty of Paris, the stunning green hills of Ireland. Nothing ever caught at his throat, filled up his heart like the old white house with its soft and faded blue trim that sat on a bumpy lawn that slid back into quiet water. Pulled into the drive behind the old white bed had been Ray and Stella Quinn's. The car looked as pristine as the day that rolled off the showroom floor. Cam's doing, he thought. Cam would say it was a matter of showing proper respect for an exceptional machine. But it was all about Ray and Stella. All about family. All about love. The lilac in the front yard was smothered with blooms. That was a matter of love, too, he reflected. He'd given Anna that little bush for Mother's Day when he was 12. She cried, he remembered. Big, beautiful brown eyes flooded, flooded with tears, laughing and sweeping at them the whole time he and Cam planted it for her. She was Cam's wife, and so that made Anna his sister. But said he thought now, we're counted. She was his mother. The Quins knew all about what was inside. He got out of the car into the lovely stillness. He was no longer a scrawny boy with oversized feet and suspicious eyes. He's grown into those feet. He was six one with a wiry build, one that could go gawky if he neglected it. His hair darkened and was more bronze brown than the sandy mop of his youth. He tended to neglect that as well, and running a hand through it now, wincing as he recalled his intention to have it trimmed before leaving Rome. The guys were going to rag on him about the little ponytail, which meant he'd have to keep it for a while out of principle. He shrugged and dipping his hands into the pockets of his worn jeans, began to walk, scanning the surroundings. Anna's flowers, the rockies on the front porch, the woods that haunted the side of the house, and were and where he'd run wild as a boy. The old dock swaying over the water, and the white sailing slope moored to it, stood looking out, his face hollow, hollow creaked, and tan turned toward the water, his lips firm and full of beginning curve. The weight he hadn't realized was having hanging from his heart began to lift. The sound of a rustle in the woods he turned enough that the weary boy still in the man still in the man to make to move swift to the fence. Out of the tree shot a black bullet. Witless his voice Witless, his voice had meant both the ring of authority and easy humor. The combination had the dog skidding to a halt all floppy ears and lolly tongue as he said Come on. Hasn't been that long. He crouched out on him. Remember me? With this grin, the double grin that had named him, instantly flopped down a roll to expose his belly. There you go. That's the way. There had always been a dog through this house. Always a boat at the dock, a rocker on the porch, and a dog in the yard. Yeah, you remember me. As he struggled with this, he looked over at the far end of the yard where Anna had planted a hydrania over to Gray of his own own dog, a loyal, much-gloved boy. I'm obsessed, you know, I've been away too long. Caught the sound of an engine, the sassy squeal of tires from the turn taking just a hair faster than the law allowed. Even as he straightened, the dog leaped up, stretched away toward the front of the house, streaked away toward the front of the house. Wanting to savor the moment, Seth followed more slowly. He listened to the car door slam, then to the lift and lift of her voice as she spoke to the dog. Then he just looked at her. Anna Spinelli Quinn, with the curly mask, the dark hair, wind blown from the dry, her arms pulled back. She heaved out of the car, grin spread as she tried to ward off the desperate effect of the dog. How many times do we have to go over this one simple rule? She read it. You do not jump on people, especially me. Especially me, but I'm wearing a suit. 
gray suit and said, got out better legs. Her head whipped up, those deep brown eyes widened, and showed him the shock, the pleasure, and the welcome all one up. Oh my gosh! He listened the contents, he tossed the bag through the open car door and ran. He caught her, lifted her six inches off the ground and spun her around before setting her on her feet again. Still, he didn't let go. Instead, he just buried his face in her. Hi! Hi. Seth! Ignoring the dog that left and leaped and did his best to shove his muscles between them. I can't believe it. You're here. Don't cry. Just a little ass. Look at you. She had his face framed in her hands as she was back. So handsome. She thought, shit, so grown up. Look at all this. She murmured and brushed her hands as she hopped to get some of it whacked off. I like it. Tears still trickling even as she gets very bohemian. You look wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, boy. She still was a good. That's the way to get me to stop all this. You want to do. What did you get here? I thought you were in Rome. I was. I wanted to be here. It means cold. We would have met you. I wanted to surprise you. He walked to the car to pull the bags out of it. Came at the boatyard. Should be here. Should be here. I'll get. Should be here. I'll get those. You need to get your things. I'll get them later. Was Kevin and Jake. She stared up. She started up the walk with him, glancing at her watch, and she thought about herself. What day is this? My mind's still spinning. Thursday. Ah, Kevin has rehearsal, school play. Jake's got softball practice. Kevin's got his driver's license. God help us! And is scooping up his brother on his way home. She unlocked the front door. They should be along in an hour. Then peace will no longer lie across the land. <laughs> it was the same, Seth thought. Didn't matter what color the walls were painted or if the old sofa had been replaced. If a new lamp stood on the table, it was the same because it felt the same. The dog snaked around his leg and made a beeline for the kitchen. I want you to sit down. She nodded to the kitchen table, wondering which witless was wrong, happily gnawing around the book. And tell me everything. You had someone. Sure, after her husband put this stuff away. When her eyebrows shut up, she paused with a gallon of milk in hand. What? I just remember the way everybody, including you, disappeared whenever it was time to put groceries away. As you always said, we put things in the wrong place. You always did, on purpose, so it'd kick you out of the kitchen. You copped to that, huh? I copped everything when it comes to my guy. Nothing gets by me, pal. Did something happen to me? No. She didn't even unpack the bag. She knew where everything went while and where everything had always gone and then she I'm not in any trouble in it. <laughs> but she you are trouble, she's out like it's not. I'm gonna open a nice Italian white. We'll have a glass and you can tell me all of the wonderful things you've been doing. It seems like years since we talked face to face. Get the refrigerator turn up to her. I'm sorry I didn't get home for Christmas. Honey, we understand. You had a showing in January. We're all so proud of you, Seth. Kim must have brought a hundred copies of the issue of the Smithsonian Magazine when they did the article on you. Young American artist who seduced Europe. He shrugged his shoulder. Such an in at a innately quinjester cigarette. So sit. I'll sit, but I'd rather you can't you count me up. How the hell is everyone? What? What are they doing? You first. All right. She finished opening the bottle, got out to the left. 
I'm doing more administrative work these days than casework. Social work involves a lot of paperwork, but it's not as satisfying. Between that and having two teenagers in the house, there's no time to be bored. The book business is lovely. She sat past Seth's up. Aubrey's working there. No kidding. The thought of her, the girl who was more sister to him than any blood kin names on. How's she doing? Terrific. She's beautiful, smart, stubborn, and according to Cam, a genius with wood. I think Grace was a little disappointed when Aubrey didn't want to pursue dancing, but it's hard to argue when you see your child so happy. And Grace had eaten Emily, followed in her mother's toes. She still heading to New York in August. A chance to dance with the American Ballet Company doesn't come along every day. She's grabbing it, and she swears she'll be principal before she's 20. Deeks, his father's son, quiet, clever, and happiest when he's out on the water. Sweetie, do you want a snack? No, he's got laid hand over it. Keep going. Okay, then. Phil remains the business marketing and promotion guru. I don't think any of us, including Phil Weber, thought he'd leave the ad firm in Baltimore, give up urban living, and dive down to... Dig down here in St. Chris, but it's been, what, 14 years? I don't suppose we can call it a win. Of course, Hansel Bill keep the apartment in New York. She's working on a new book. Yeah, I talked to her. He rubbed the dog's head with a foot. Something about the evolution of the community in cyberspace. She's something. How are the kids? Insane, as any self-respecting teenager should be. Bram was madly in love with a girl named Chloe last week. That could be over by now. Fiona's interests are torn between boys and shopping, but, well, she's 14, so that's natural. 14, Jesus. She had her 10th birthday when I left for Europe. Even seeing them on and off over the last few years, it doesn't seem doesn't seem possible that Kevin's driving and I'm filming boats. Graham's sniffing after girl. I remember cut himself off. She's like, what? I remember when Grace was pregnant with him. It was the first time I was around someone who was having a baby. Well, someone who wanted to. It seems like five minutes ago, and now Emily's going to New York. How can 18 years go by, Anna, and you not look any older? Oh, I've missed you. She left. Isn't that I've missed you, too? All of you. We'll fix that. We'll run everybody up and have a big, noisy, quick welcome home on Sunday. How does that sound? About as perfect as it gets. The dog, yep, then scrambled out from under the table to run to the camera, and it's going out and meet him. He walked through the house, as he had so often, opened the screen door, and as he had so often, looked at the man standing on the front lawn playing soccer board with the dog over a hunk of rope. He was still tall, still spit, bit like a sprinter. There were glints of silver in his hair now, and the sleeves of his work shirt rolled up to the elbows, and his jeans were white as the stress points. He wore sunglasses and bare badly beaten Nikes. At 50, Cameron Quinn still looked like a badass. On the greeting, Seth let the screen door slam behind him. Cameron glanced over, and the only sign of surprise was his fingers sliding off the rope. A thousand words passed between them without a sound. A million feelings and countless memories. Saying nothing, Seth came down the steps as Cameron crossed the lawn. Then they stood face to face. I hope that piece of shit in the driveway's a rental. Cameron began. Yeah, it is. Best I could do on short notice. Figured I'd turn it in tomorrow and use the better for a while. Cameron's smile was sharp as a blade. In your dreams, pal. In your wildest dreams. No point in it sitting there going to waste. Legion's one. 
Unless the one to let some half-ass painter with illusions of grandeur behind its classic wheels. Hey, you're the one who taught me to drive. Ride to a 90-year-old woman with a broken arm. Can ain't old five-speed better than you. He jerked his head towards Seth's room. That embarrassment in my driveway doesn't inspire the confidence in me that you've improved in that area. Smug now, Seth rocked back on his Just drove a Maserati a couple months ago. Cam's eyebrows in her. Get out of here. <laughs> Had her up to 110. Screwed the woman's shit out of me. <laughs> Cam laughed. Gave Seth an effective, affectionate punch on the arm. Then he said, Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch, he said again as he drags up into a piercer. Why the hell didn't you let us know you were coming home? It was sort of a spur of the moment. I wanted to be here. I just needed to be here. Okay. And uh, burning up the phone lines, letting everybody know we're serving fatty calf. Probably, she said, we're having the calf on Sunday. That'll work. You got to win yet? No, I got stuff in the car. Don't call that butt ugly thing a car. Let's get your gear. Cam. Seth was out, touched Cam's on. I want to come home, not just for a few days or a couple weeks. I want to stay. Can I stay? Cam drew off his sunglasses, and his eye, smoky gray, met Seth. What the hell is the matter with you that you think you have to ask? You're trying to piss me off? I never had to try. Nobody does with you. Anyway, I'll pull my weight. You always pull your weight, and you, we must see in your ugly face around here. And that said thought, they walked to the car, was all the welcome he needed from Cam Quinn. They kept his room and had changed over the years. Different paint for the walls and a rug for the floor, but the bed was the same one he slept in, dreamed in, waked in. The same bed he sneaked foolish into when he'd been a child, and the one he sneaked Alice Albert into when he thought he was a man. Figured Cam knew about foolish, and he had often wondered if he'd known about Alice. <laughs> Tossed his suitcase carelessly on the bed and laid his battered paint kit, once a pill given him for his 11th birthday, on the work table Ethan had built. He'd, never, he'd need to find studio space, he thought. Eventually, as long as the weather held, he could work outdoors. He preferred that anyway, but he needs somewhere to store his canvases, his equipment. Maybe there's room in the old barn of barn of a boat yard, but that wouldn't suit on a permanent basis. And he meant to make this permanent. He had enough of traveling for now, enough of living among strangers to last him a lifetime. He needed to go to stand on his own. He needed to learn. God, he needed to paint. So he studied in Florence and worked in Paris. He wandered the hills of Ireland and Scotland and had stood on the cliffs in Cornwall. He lived cheap and rough most of the time. When there had been a choice between buying a mill or paint, he'd gone hungry. He'd been hungry before. It had done him good. He hoped to remember what it was like not to have something making sure you were fed and safe and warm. It was the Quinn in him, he supposed, that made him hell-bent to beat his own path. He laid out a sketch pad to weigh his charcoal, his pencils. He would spend time getting back to basics with his work before he picked up the brush again. The walls of his room held some of his early drawings. Cam had taught him how to make the frames on an old meter box at the boatyard. Seth took one from the wall to study it. He showed promise, he thought, in the rough, unexpected lines. But much more showed the promise of a life. 
caught them well enough, he decided Cam, with his thumbs tucked in his pockets, stance confrontational, then Philip slick edgy towards an elegance that near, nearly disguised the street smarts. Ethan, patient, steady as a redwood in his work clothes, he draw himself with him, set to ten, he thought, thin narrow shoulders and big feet with a lift to his chin to mask something more painful than fear, something that was hope. A life moment sets up now, captured with a great graphite pencil, drawing it. He began to believe, and the gut believed, and the gut believed that he was one of them, a Quinn. You mess with one Quinn, he murmured as he hung the drawing on the wall. Again, you mess with them all. He turned, glanced at the suitcases, and wondered if he could speak talk Anna in the packing report. Not a chance. Hey, he looked toward the doorway and brightened when he saw Kevin. He had to fiddle with clothes. At least he had company. Hey, Kev. So you really hanging this time for good? Looks like. Cool. Kevin sauteed in, plopped on the bed, and propped speed in one of the suitcases. Mom's really jazzed about it. Around here, Mom's happy. Everybody's happy. She could be soft enough to let me hey, use the car this weekend. Glad I can help. He showed Kevin's feet off the suitcase and unzipped it. He had the look of his mother, said dark. Set that dark curly hair, big Italian eyes. Seth mentioned the girls were already tumbling for him like bowling pins. That was the play. It rocks. Totally rocks. Best side story. I'm Tony. When you're a jet man, he's steady jet. Set dark shirts haphazardly in a drawer. You get killed, right? Yeah. Kevin clutched his heart, shuddered with his face filled with pain and rapture, then saw It's great. Before I do the death thing, we get. We've got the kick-ass fights and the shows next week. You're going to come right front row, center, pal. Check out Lisa Maddox. She plays Marita. Total babe. we got a couple love scenes together. We've been doing a lot of practicing. <laughs> yeah, a little wait. Anything for art. Yeah. Kevin scooted it up a little. Okay, so you tell me about all the Euro chicks. Pretty hot, huh? The only way to get burned. <sighs> There was this girl in Rome, Anna Teresa. A two-named girl? Kevin shook his fingers as if he'd gotten them too close to a plane. Two-named girls are very sexy. Tell me. She worked in this little ten arena, and the way she served pasta, all Paul Morado was just amazing. So did you score? Seth sent Kevin a pitying look. <sighs> Please, who you talking to here? He dumped jeans into another door. She had hair all the way down to her ass, and a very fine ass it was. Eyes like melted chocolate in a mouth that wouldn't quit. Jaw naked. I did about a dozen figure studies. She was natural, totally relaxed, completely uninhibited. Man, you're killing me. And she had the most amazing set paws, his hands up to chest level, to demonstrate personality. He said, dropping his hands. Hi, Anna. <laughs> Disgusting art. She said dryly, it's so nice of you to share some of your cultural experiences with Kevin. Um, well, the killer smile she was aiming in his direction had almost made Seth's tongue wired and instead of trying to use it, he fell back on the menacing grin. But tonight's session on art and culture is not over. Kevin and I believe you can, you have homework. Right, I'll get right to it. Seeing his history assignment as an escape hatch, Kevin bolted. Anna stepped into it. Do you think, she asked Seth pleasantly, that the young woman in question would appreciate being whittled down to a pair of breasts? Uh, I also mentioned her eyes. They were 
nearly as fabulous as yours. And took a shirt out of the open door. Folded it. Do you think that's going to work with me? No. Begging might. Please don't hurt me. I just got home. Took out another shirt folded it. Kevin's 16, and I'm perfectly aware his major interest at this time is naked breasts and his favorite desire to get his hands on as many as possible. Such much jeez, Anna. I also am aware, she continued without breaking time, that this predilection, while hopefully became more civilized and controlled, remains deep-seated in the male species throughout its natural life. Hey, you want to see some of my landscapes get you from Tuscany? I am surrounded by you. Sorry, little, she took out. Outnumbered, and I have been since I walked into this house. That doesn't mean I can't knock every one of your stupid heads together when necessary. Understood? Yes, ma'am. Good. Now show me your landscapes. Later, when the house was quiet, a moo rode over the water. She found Cam on the back porch. She stepped out and into him. He wrapped an arm around her, rubbing her shoulders. It's the night she so one down. That's what I do. Chilly tonight. She looks up at the sky. At the ice points of stars. I hope it stays clear for Sunday. <laughs> then she simply turned her face and she Oh, Kevin. I know. He shook the hand over her hair and rubbed his cheek against her. see him sitting at the kitchen table, watching him wrestle with Jake and that idiot dog, even hearing him talking about naked women with Kevin. One naked woman. She laughed. Took back her hair as she looked at it. No one you know, and it's so good to have him home. <laughs> I told you we'd come back. Quinn's always come back to the roost. I guess you're right. She kissed him one little more meeting of look. Why don't we go upstairs? She slid her hands down, gave his butt a suggestion, please. And I'll settle you down too. End of chapter one.